months roll by and then we get time in time to to play and we were all prepared and practiced and through the grapevine i hear there wasn't enough tickets sold to the conference they had to strike some of the different things because of the budget and Come one of those things on. was paying the musicians They're getting and, stiffed at the door <laughs> yeah and no one was no one was telling me that i just heard it so i did they kind weren't of a res- right about the financial situation <laughs> <laughs> i know right uh, so simple but I, I love just the went... idea of them sitting you guys down though and being like, "Look, kids, Psst. money doesn't grow on trees. It shows up in bowls <laughs> once a week by the thousands, <laughs> and we can't give you any." Yeah, <laughs> it's all for us. <laughs> no. Uh... Hello and welcome to Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. I'm Jeremiah. And Sam, I thought about you this week. I was driving through Dallas. It was actually, it was this morning, really. But uh, we're on our way out of town and I noticed there was a billboard with like a scantily clad lady on it from a a gentleman's club Mm -hmm. and it said, unlicensed therapists on duty. And I thought, (laughs) I wonder if they're hiring. (laughs) I have to move to Dallas, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, we have, anytime I drive south of where I live, there's like a bunch of billboards for a place called Electric Blue, and it's all like nude silhouettes of ladies. Is it like a club or like a jerk off theater? It's a club. I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know if you can, if those are like a mix and match kind of deal where you could maybe do both for the right amount of money, but. Could be. I, I mean, I, they seem to play into each other pretty well. I've I've never been to uh, one of those types of establishments, actually. So we might all be in the same boat there. Uh, our, you know, our our good Christian boy personas prevented us from getting into any trouble like that when we were young, and then we were also married, and uh, that would be a relationship ender. Probably uh, for the best, yeah. honestly. Oh, like, I'm not. There's no regret here. Like, I think the only regret would be going to one and being like, oof, that, why did I do that? That like I feel sad. about the regret of like, oh man, I just never got to try smoking when I was 16. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the theater, to but I'm bringing a, a, a flashlight. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like does anyone regret like, not trying that? Sit in the, in the front row and then periodically like stand up, turn around and shine the flashlight. Around. Oh my God. <laughs> Casey really wants to get stabbed. I can see. <laughs> Just like get hit with mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. Hey. All right. So a couple of things happened this week, school related, uh, that I feel like I need to get off my chest. So one of the, all right. So live in new England and it's a winter weather climate, uh, in January. So last week was leaving work and a s- snowstorm was coming in and almost every other school in the area had just called it. They're like, just preemptively, it's a snow day. We woke up, no snow on the ground, but the snowstorm was coming in. And dealing with snow in this area is kind of a paradox uh, because it's like, if you call it, if you, if you call a snow day, you probably will have not needed to, but if you don't call the snow day, there's going to be like six feet of snow by 10 AM. So it's very like, it's tough because 
a lot of the districts, some kids, like, especially in the city, like kids have to walk to school if they live within a certain distance, not my school. Cause it's an elementary school, but like, it's just, it's tough. Uh, there's plenty of drop-offs too. So like if there is snow and parents don't want to drive or there's just a lot of things to consider when calling a snow day at the school, but my school didn't call one. So by like, I, I, my day ends at like three 30 and by two o'clock, the snow starts coming in pretty heavy and everyone's looking out the windows being like, Oh my God, like it's going to be a nightmare driving home. So 3.30 hits. There's a little bit of snow on the ground. The roads are slick. I'm, everyone's driving real slow. And I see a guy jogging with shorts in no shirt on. There's always that Just guy. Just covered in tattoos. Oh, I I drive home at 3.30 all the time, and I never see that. And I was I'm just saying, like, no, that guy, there's always the guy that's like, this is the time to show everybody that I'm not just about this life. When yeah. Like the sun shining. I'm about this life all the time. Yep. And I don't just, even get cold. It's just the worst kind of flex. And seeing him, like, and he was in good shape. I don't know. His tattoos may or may not have sucked. I don't know. I wasn't able to see them. But I'm like, shorts. If you're, it's shorts, no shirt, in a blizzard. You, your tattoos suck. I know they're dumb. I know they're going to be awful. He just, he just has Jocko Wilnick's face on one shoulder yeah. <laughs> and Joe Rogan's on the other. Yeah. It, it, I would imagine. Also never takes a day off, bro. Yeah, it was pathetic. Uh, it, you just see that and you're like, you that it's just a strange mentality, right? Because that guy's going out thinking, oh yeah, like people are going to be like, this guy fucks, he's cool. And no one thinks, no one, no one thinks that people who make those types of decisions are just a strange breed because in their head, it looks, it's like the person who's singing with headphones on. You're basically the running equivalent of that, right? Like you have your headphones in and you're just singing in the public. Uh, it's like there was someone in my school, one of the, uh, j- so now I'm, I'm going to roll into two janitor stories. One of them was unintended, but it's the running equivalent of this guy because I'm walking down the hall and there is this guy with just rapping. I hear rapping down the hallway. I don't hear music. I just hear white boy vocals rapping hard. And I turn the corner and he's like in the middle of the hallway. And I make eye contact with the teacher at the end of the hallway. And she looks at me with this, like, is he having a mental breakdown face? And I look at him and then immediately look away. Cause you don't make eye contact with people who are doing that. And this is another, this is a student, right? No, no. This is a full grown man who is a, oh, okay. one of the janitors who is he's just rapping his way down the hall and he's rapping hard. Rapping it, while he works or just while he like works looking for an audience. Okay. A real like, real snow rapper. white. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, it was. And it's a real, yeah. Rapping while he works a real snow white in the seven dwarves situation. And the lady looks at me and she mouths to me like, is he rapping? And it's like, I just like, Winston nodded and she just her eyes rolled to the back of her head and we're like why is this happening so he is the the the, the guy running is kind of it's like it's at that same type of mentality he's the equivalent of the person rapping in the hallway and then lastly I've I feel like I've just come to terms with this but there's something about my face that says please tell me everything I don't want to know about you and <laughs> one of the the janitors comes in he's ta- I, he's a great guy i like him you know people can uh have a problem with me for liking someone who has bad opinions about stuff that's fine but always cordial super nice the kids always talk to him seems like a great guy 
somehow he thought I was the right person to talk to about the COVID vaccine. We're uh, past that, right? We're not talking about that anymore. I, I think it's we're society definitely society writ large, right? Yeah, we're definitely past talking it up as a random conversation topic with people yeah. who don't know well. It, yeah. It'd be it's nice. The last thing in the world I want to hear somebody's opinion on. Yeah. It really is. And he just goes into it. And I don't even remember how we got there. It was just, oh, uh, something about people being sick. Yeah, people getting sick again. He's like, I don't know. I'm not worried about it. Like, everyone was always worried about COVID. I wasn't. I didn't even get the vaccine. You, you don't even know what's in that stuff. And I'm like, why are we here? You came in here to take out the trash. So please, like, let's do that. Let's let's do that. I'm doing my job, which is like typing up some notes. You're doing your job. Why are we here? I don't know how we got here. I didn't ask for any of this. And I, I don't know. I'm not interested in a conversation about it. And then that you, you end up in that, that panic of like, do I accurately represent my feelings around this or do I figure out the best way to get out of this? Oh, um, always get out. <laughs> it, that would have been better. Uh, but I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I got it and I'm still alive. So I guess it's fine. But, the, the guy that strikes up that conversation did not do so because he's like, I wonder what Sam thinks about it. it yeah, exactly. like, it's, it's a it's performance. Thinking, I wonder if Sam knows how I think about this. Maybe he thought, <laughs> maybe I give off a vibe that's just like, oh, this guy's anti-vax for sure. Let's I mean, I can understand it. if you still had your dreads, like that would make sense. I think you wouldn't have to deal with <laughs> as many people wanting to tell you their opinion on stuff, but you'd probably or tell, you know, about them. Cause you wouldn't look as trustworthy, but then definitely guys who want to talk about the vaccine uninhibited would be like that guy. Yeah. I'll get it. Yeah. Dreads yeah. for sure. You would give off uh this, what type of quartz fights germs. Yeah. This yeah, guy likes know. essential oils. He's, <laughs> he's got a strain of marijuana to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't man. know. But I that, feel like that's something that happens to me frequently where I, I think, I don't know, maybe that's why I got into the new, the career that I'm in now. Maybe I just have a face that says, please tell me everything you're thinking. And I just opted into the right career for that to work out for me now. But I don't know. I just didn't feel like the right time to get into that kind of a conversation. I, I know what you mean. I had uh, someone tried to witness to me at the coffee shop the other day. Oh, my God. Oh, really? For one of those experiences and they never happened to me. I think this is the first time it's ever happened. So like when I, I walked in, there was definitely like there was, you know, a lot of college age kids there or whatever. And I saw like these two girls and this guy praying together, but it wouldn't be like out of the ordinary to see somebody doing a Bible study at the coffee shop or whatever. So, right. Right. No, I, I, it, the way this coffee shop is laid out, there's like a lot of couches around the outside and then some tables in the middle and everything. So you can definitely find a spot and just park yourself on it and chill. And so that's how I was doing this right after I'd gotten my haircut. This is right after I'd hurt my back though. So I was like, leaning forward at just the right angle where it didn't hurt that bad and like hunched over and just doing some work emails on my phone while I drank my coffee, just minding my own business. They and mistook the girls, that as passive interest in their conversation. I, I think they may have like mistook it as like, I'm a hunched over with my sadness and my troubles or whatever. And they oh. came up and they were like, excuse me, can we offer you this fruit? And they're holding a banana and an apple. And like, no matter how friendly I am, Ew. somebody walks oh up to you God. holding like, unlike non-packaged food and you've never met these people before like instantly i'm like this is probably fine hey, but i'm not to be fair it. bananas like, are technically packaged that's true that's no. true but they were like you know we just felt and as soon as they said we felt led to come over i was like oh 
I'm in the trap. Yeah. I'm in the trap. <laughs> it's a bit like, it's a bit like my mom's not here to check it for razor blades. <laughs> Does it have? Uh... Oh man, it just slipped my mind. What's the? Uh, okay. What's everyone worried about? Uh, it's Drugs. a heroin or whatever. Oh, fentanyl. Yeah. Fentanyl. Man, oh fentanyl. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't look like a fentanyl apple. Like, I don't know what a fentanyl apple looks like, but I was pretty sure this wasn't it. Okay. But like, you know, that everyone likes to daydream about what would you do in like a bad situation? Like, would you spring into action or something? I was not ready for this. Uh, I just sat there like an idiot staring at them for a second that I was like, uh, no, thank you. I don't like fruit. And they just <laughs> looked at me. And I, and I and instantly back of my mind, I was like, they're trying to be nice. Be like, smile a little bit. Please don't freak them out in this interaction. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, is there anything uh, you'd like prayer for? And I was like, no, thank you. I'm good. And I was just trying to like move along. You didn't move- decide to tell them about your erectile dysfunction at that point? No, it just, just <laughs> did not seem like the moment to have a conversation with them. But I felt bad after they left because I probably was like a little bit rude and a jerk. No, but they were the- rude. You didn't have to feel bad. About no, no, they, they, they definitely they came over and like, excuse me. I mean, they didn't like just barge in there. They were as polite as you can be walking up to someone in public, which is a terrible thing you should try to avoid doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I so was not totally polite. That's what you're it. saying. That's just not, not polite. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it coming. And I don't know uh, if I need to look at myself in the mirror and like, what about me made them think that I was a good target today? I don't know. <laughs> you should have just like waved your hands around the fruit and be like, I don't feel any attached strings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they were probably very nice. And I'm sure they were just, you know trying to be kind so it was uh, all good but yeah it was very uncomfortable yeah i oh man i i feel like i never get witness to but i do get a lot of like political conversations that start up with me the worst really i mean rather because that's a that's a religion in of itself so it I'd is rather it is for sure i'd rather dodge though that those are harder for me i would love to be witness to like mormons knock on your door it's like come on in brother Let's do this. Come on in. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I, 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 I think, uh, yeah, be, someone talking to you about their political opinions is easier because you can just, if someone like is unbidden talking to you about their political opinion, they're not looking for you to do anything other than just, oh, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can just nod your way through it. People sit down in front of you and they're like, here's an apple. What can we pray about for you? Like, that just that just feels awkward. And again, they were trying to be nice. Like it wasn't they were not being weird about it at all, other than it's weird just to walk up to people in yeah. public. Uh, it goes it's like starts there and 30 seconds later they're asking if you'd like to commit your entire life to Christ. And you're like, But there's no good way out of that here? conversation. Like that's not a like a, a you know, that's not something you just go, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and just kind of like nod your way along and exit the conversation. This is like a you're gonna have to directly engage them. So Casey, what's your normal tactic when you get into these conversations? Just like, uh, oh man, that's I, it's crazy. Almost, it's almost always with people that I can't like be rude to or oh, like guys at the shops and stuff that you're going to. Yeah, it's like customers <laughs> and stuff. Like, I, like if I, I can say to you, buy this fucking carburetor. That's what you sell, <laughs> right? You sell carburetors. Yeah, yeah that's, sure. that's I'm close enough. Yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even like this week. It was with a it was with a person that that I know through work and there's I mean it's just the situation where like I can't say much and he was going off on how the liberals are purposely ruining the economy for the great reset or something they're gonna destroy the dollar and blah 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 it was kind of like yeah I mean I don't know I, I don't <laughs> I don't know maybe who knows and then uh, 
at one point he goes, uh, he goes, you know, and he's, he's an older guy. He's like, you know, I think that, uh, I think that I might've grown up in America's best days. Yeah, oh, of course. I was just like, <laughs> we did. You did. <laughs> For sure. You did. Like you definitely grew up in like the peak years of, in, of, you know, post-war united states like busting economy well, especially and... for like i'm guessing this was a white dude right yeah like baby boomer white dude oh yeah there was never a better time for white dudes like top of the heap like boomers had it so good like through and and all they've done the entire time is just like like whine about how people are trying to take their little piece of it i know <laughs> like the only thing trying to take your little piece is father time hurry up move it along <laughs> meanwhile dude my wife and i have recently started talking about potentially like moving not far just selling your house and moving to like 30 minutes and basically into the city um into worcester and we're like houses they're they're not nice they're not nice they're i i see the ones that pop up and i don't want to live there and you have to spend almost half a million dollars at fucking eight percent interest right now and it's just like i can't i'll never moving i will never move Right now is the worst time to buy. Like it's just it's not good because because the interest rates have gone up and the market is still like way too high. It's way too high for what it is, and the and the sales are starting to drop, and like the housing prices are going to come down, and we'll get a little bit better equilibrium. But yeah, right now it's like the worst of both. It's yeah, it it's hard to imagine. I mean, I think in my lifetime this is the, absolutely the worst time to buy. But it sucks. Like you know, I have family who uh, was like just recently talking to them and they're like, yeah, we're trying to find an apartment. Uh, and, and they found like a one bedroom apartment for $2,000 a month. And it's like, that's in the same city in Worcestershire near it. Yeah. And that's, it's a city outside of it. Uh, but it's like, that's, I have a four bedroom house and that's a good bit more than my mortgage. And that, it's like i mean it's unbelievable but but they'll get denied like they're never gonna with the market the way it is there's no chance of buying because you're gonna spend almost half a million dollars and even if they were even like a few years ago before everything shot up like if they bought when interest rates were completely plummeted like because of their like technical income they'd it's like no you have to spend at that point it probably would have been like you have to spend eighteen hundred dollars a month on an apartment because you can't afford a $1,600 a month mortgage is how the bank would look at that. And it it's, it's the fucking wild West dude for trying to figure out how to like not be homeless. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's I feel bleak. like up it's until bleak, like, especially in the New England ago, area up until like three years ago, it was like prime time. Mm-hmm. Like in that time period, if you couldn't, if you couldn't find your way into that situation, I don't know. I might just, you know, might just not be in the cards, I guess. But yeah, right now it's, it's pretty tough. You're boxed out. You're pretty boxed out. You're in your mid thirties. Both of you work full time plus and you can't afford to buy anything. Yeah. I guess without moving to a much lower cost of living area, which they exist, but you don't want to live there. Yeah, I mean, like you personally. In your entire life, I it's definitely like, want to live there. Daisy does. Dude, I, spent like, like, oh, is there I spent like the last five days in Dallas, and I don't, I don't understand how people can live in like these, these heavily urban areas. 
It's yeah. just like so many people. It's so inconvenient to get anywhere, to park anywhere. Like there's always a wreck. There's always construction. It's like, it, you know, it was fun. We did some fun stuff in the city or whatever. But after like three days, I'm like, I just want to go back out into the uh, the barren prairie <laughs> and not see any other people for some time. Yep. Yep. But yeah. So, oh, um, so at this conference thing, it was kind of, it's kind of like a trade show, right? And it's like everything, anything that's related to car dealerships in any sort of way, they have booths and stuff set up there. It's a lot of like software companies. And then, you know, it'll be like, oh, this company makes like car washes. And so they'll have like a whole car wash set up inside the convention center showing how it runs or, you know, lifts or tools, all of that. And so I think like back in the day, it was pretty common for these booth people to like hire young women in very little clothing to work at their booths. Right. Okay. And that's kind of gone out. And, and now it's more like, you know, people, they hire people to man the booths. Some of these companies do, but everybody's pretty like normally dressed. There's nothing like out of the ordinary and stuff, but there was one company. And it was, uh, God, it was a software company. I can't remember what the name of it was. It was like Triarch or Trionic Arc or Triarch, like the video game company Triarch. Yeah, something like that. But it wasn't that. But uh, we were stopped because they had like some people on stage in their booth and they were talking over a loudspeaker and stuff. So my partner and I stopped and we're listening to these people talk. And I'm looking around and there's like a whole bunch of dudes dressed the same. And like you could tell that they were kind of like in a uniform and they were working the booth at this thing. But like they must have held auditions because every one of these dudes is jacked, like just ripped. I mean, and they got their uniform is like this super tight, tiny T-shirt that <laughs> barely like tucks into their pants. And then they're wearing like these stretchy spandexy white dress pants. I mean, and they're like the shirt and pants are just painted onto these guys and they're all like in great shape and stuff, you know, but dude, they're walking around and you could just see like full fledged hog. (laughs) (laughs) Like this guy comes walking towards us, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, that's either the narrowest cell phone I've ever seen or (laughs) (laughs) were they jeggings? Were they wearing jeggings? I think that, yeah, I think they were white jeggings. What type of software was it that they're selling? Oh, it's some sort of dealer garbage where like you plug in a thing and it tells you like the, the VIN number and all that stuff of the car. So why do they need a bunch of Kyle's to help them like sell this? I don't know. You got to hang a little rope out there. You know? I mean, did they like, were any of them pitching or were they just hanging around? The oh, booth they're all pitching. Come by? They were doing a lot of like, they were yeah, doing some a lot catching, of that like. But plenty pitching. You know when dudes, they do that, like those muscly dudes do that thing where they clap, but they flex while they do it. Oh, so yeah. The whole, like, they're the pretending like, oh, man. <laughs> it looks I like that monkey clanging the cymbals. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly like, what it is. The whole, like, I can't clap normally because my arms are just too big. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all kind of walking around there. They're doing a lot of like, yeah, yeah. And then doing the, the monkey cymbal clap. And then, I, I don't know, shouting like, uh, you know. Let's hear it for software solutions. You know? 
Oh and I guess God. that's what, you know, in the past they had women in similar circumstances doing that, but you know, yeah, at least that's appreciate where we're at like, now. Yeah, they seem to be like well, you know, assistant. My I mean, other turntables. But now women are actually allowed in the workforce. So they're like, well, maybe we should try to uh cater to to the women who are working. I mean, Casey, yeah. It, you're talking a lot more about this company than the other products there. So I, I I'm not arguing against the strategy. <laughs> I mean, it clearly worked. It's the only one I remember. So there it is. That so they mission accomplished. Yeah. Them and George Bush have a lot in common, apparently. <laughs> just waiting to hear where this is going. No, that's it. George Bush just declared mission accomplished when it clearly wasn't. And oh, okay. That's all. <laughs> There's no more to that joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, well. Um, I guess we should introduce our guest this week. We've been kind of sitting on this episode for a little while. Yeah, our uh, our guest is Andy Prince from the band Manchester Orchestra. And if you've never listened to them, you are sorely missing out. Uh, Manchester is, God, they're fantastic. Um, so I don't really know how I start. I got like connected with Andy Prince. I just, I saw his Instagram was just like, I think what social media is a weird space, right? Where you're just like, you can follow people and never really see what they're doing. Or you're just like, all right, that's a picture of food. That's this. Andy is one of those people who you're just like, God damn it. He is fucking cool. Some people are just cool. And I've never aired that person. Maybe I'm just not in general, but my social media presence certainly doesn't live up to that. But following Andy, it's like skateboarding videos. He fishes all the time and just finds like, I don't know. He It's not like he's, fishing. he's a guy that clearly like has found the things that he loves and yeah. he just does he, them to the fullest, you know? Because yeah. I, I don't give a shit about fishing. Uh, growing up on Cape Cod, it was like you fished for bass and it was like, that's a boring, ugly fish. And I didn't give a shit. Uh, and then watching all of his videos, I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. It all just seems like a, like it actually for the first time in my life made sense why fishing is a sport and not just like something you do to catch something to eat that night. It was like, Oh shit. There's like a lot of cool looking fish that you can catch and just kind of throw back in. It, it started clicking and I was just like fascinated by his Instagram page for a while. Uh, so then also, I've just been a big fan of the band Manchester Orchestra for quite some time. Uh, so just getting a chance to talk to him about his life, his upbringing. Uh, he's a tried and true Florida man. And uh, it was a blast. He was a, an amazing guest. And the conversation was a ton of fun. Yeah. So if uh, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review wherever you listen to it. Thanks to everybody who has done that. Don't forget, we did recently did a guest episode with Boys Bible Study on their podcast where we talked about uh, Left Behind 2, Tribulation Force, which is <laughs> amazing. Talked about the beautiful courtship of Buck and Chloe, which, uh, you know, it really like sets the standard for what courtship should look like. It does. It does. It Chris, made me reevaluate. It's amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. It kind of like, like, oh, like you're watching God's plan unfold. It was amazing. I thought it was kind of depressing because I thought, God, my marriage is broken. You know, I was like, when's the last time steps. we made silly faces in a photo booth? I can't even remember. It's been a few years for me. 
we were at a wedding once that that had the photo booth to do the silly faces, and I think that was the strongest my marriage has ever been personally. <laughs> Oh, the they have glasses. like comically big glasses. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love orchestrated fun. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a great episode. Ton of fun, lots of laughing. So uh, you know, that their 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 podcast is great. So if you haven't listened to Boys Bible Study before, if you if you like our show, you'll like theirs. They kind of go over like Christian cinema, which you thought was just a, you know, Prince of Egypt and the Ten Commandments, but it turns out there's like an infinite number of horrible movies that shouldn't have been made. And (laughs) they talk about those and it's a blast. So check that out. And if you want to get in on the conversation, we have a Discord server where you can talk back and forth with a lot of cool people who grew up in similar circumstances. We trade music and memes and, uh, stories from the week and all sorts of things. It's a good time. So you can find the link on our social media. Uh, we're, we're link tree up and running now. Uh, it will be by the time this comes out. So yeah, I get sure. it. That's or a, big like a day or two late, but this week within the <laughs> week, I know it's a huge project. I had to like copy and paste links and put them in and I'm, it's taken me about a year to do it. So, but we're, we're but we're here. We're, we're here. Yeah, so get in on that, and without further ado, enjoy our conversation with Andy Prince. Hey everybody, we are back with our guest, Andy Prince. What's up, Andy? What is up? Yo, so I think before we get started on anything, man, I just want to point out that there are some people in this world who are just, they just seem all around cool. And that's how I feel about following you on Instagram. It's like <laughs> you skate, you're always fishing, you're touring. You just seem to have a pretty fucking cool life. And uh, it's one of those ones that you look at and you're like, hmm, maybe if I made a few other choices in my life, I could spend my free time out on the water <laughs> and uh, <laughs> living it up like that. What kind um, of fishing do you do? Um, gosh, I have a a lot of hobbies. I mean, thanks for saying that. First of all, I just, I really try to make it that way. Yeah. And I've worked a lot of crappy jobs throughout my life and done a lot of stuff. (laughs) Spent spent a lot of time doing stuff I didn't want to do. And, uh, now, and, and plus, you know, most of the people I know, they do things they don't want to do to pay the bills or whatever it is to get by. And, Gen- oh, yeah. generally seem somewhat unhappy and <clears throat> i'm not saying there's not tough times in life or th- times when you get depressed or down but i try to mitigate that in any way i can and try to do active things mainly outside while i'm young because i just know yeah. you know the amount of drinking i do i'm not gonna last very long so yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just they're all gonna in. be able to just grow you a replacement liver on the side of a rat and oh, it'll I'm all be good. For that. I'm actually banking on that. So it'll be prototype, so. so that one's gonna live outside of your body and it'll make people around you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just gonna look like an aquarium filter. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna have that slow trickle noise of blood. Like. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I could spend this entire podcast talking about fishing. Uh, mainly because it's it's something I grew up doing where I'm at in Pensacola, um, but I moved away for ten years. I lived in Nashville and you know traveled there with a band to try to 
try to do everything I could in the music industry. And uh, finally kind of just, I got to the place after COVID where it was time to move. That city changed a lot. My wife actually loves it here where I'm from and, and I miss my family. But down here is the Gulf Coast. So you have all this incredible outdoor, you have, you know, the Gulf Coast itself is like, it has so many species of not only fish, but you can go out even a mile offshore and just see every type of insane wildlife. There's just dolphins jumping everywhere and sharks and manta rays. And so I like spending my time out there. And, uh, but secondly, I've really uh, nerded out on older, uh, older guys and ladies that have become like legendary fishermen, particularly fly fishermen. And, uh, this has led me down a pretty wild road. Actually, there's a great podcast called mill house that I got into from this famous guy named Andy mill. And he's this Olympic skier turned fly fisherman and won all these tournaments, but he's the type of guy that along his journey and all these tournaments, he just, he's just one of those personalities that met every single person and remembered their name somehow. And then created this kind of, you know, I think he, I think he realized all these people aren't going to be around forever. They're all getting older. And so his podcast is interviewing all those people and it's the stories are unreal. Like it's just an hour long, but it's all these people that are, you know, we're in the keys in the Florida keys and like the sixties and seventies when that was just coming up. And there was also a lot of drug trafficking and wild partying and all these things. And it's just kind of a, a cool lifestyle that was, you know, is never going to happen again. Um, so I'm to shorten it up. I'm fascinated with all of that and I can kind of see myself being an older, an older gentleman, hopefully doing not drug trafficking, but (laughs) fly fly fishing and enjoying the outdoors. So fly fishing is just like such an, it's like a, such a, a specific community of people. It is like, there's lots of people that drive a Toyota Tacoma and have a fish bumper sticker or something like that. I got a Tacoma. If they have more than four, (laughs) they're a fly fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's cool I, I mean, if they have a salt I, life sticker oh I'm, yeah I'm there not we a go. real fisherman okay <laughs> so, uh, then, that's such a florida thing it is dude, the, the salt life thing this is how uh deeply ingrained the um that christian upbringing is in me where i saw salt life stickers and thought that it was a christian thing that was my default guess was like salt of the earth kind of Thing. Did you eventually <laughs> peel yours off, or? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was awkward when people started asking me about, you know, ocean things, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but let me tell you about. Um, I don't believe in the ocean anymore. Yeah, so, <laughs> but it's like, uh, yeah, let me just tell you about. Uh, I don't know a lot about the ocean, but I can tell you about a well that will never run dry. And <laughs> I had a Calvin well on easily. dry land. That was the route that I went. Yeah. <laughs> you had you had a what? I'm sorry. A little Calvin peeing on dry land. Oh. <laughs> so I so, stick it to the terrestrial people. Nice. I feel like fishing. So I grew up on um, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and um, when I, like up until I was 13, and that was like I mean, every, everyone fished around there. I would go with my dad occasionally, but mm-hmm. didn't stick with me. But then I, it's like when I. I feel like nothing stuck with me as a kid. And that's why I don't have any real hobbies now, but there's a lot like that, like outdoorsy ones where I'm like, I get, I don't know. I missed it. Uh, It didn't stick out to me at the time. But then when I see people doing it in a way that's like, I don't know, like I see the pictures of all the fish you post and I'm like, 
that is it's cool uh, some of them are gigantic for one and that's like the idea of reeling one of those things in sounds like a fucking sport you know it's like it's not just like catching like a little bass like that's like right, you know right. six inches long or something like that and throwing it back like it, feeling like there's like that a variety of fish that that you could pull in um i think it's it, especially when they're like some of them are just gorgeous instead of all just like gray with dead eyes and you're like if you're in you're in cape cod like you're probably closer to like scooping oily discharge out of a pilot whale's chest cavity or something yeah i mean or just like hooking a seagull on your after you cast you just <laughs> just baiting yeah. your hook with a french fry <laughs> i've i've caught just on accident just about every bird species down here <laughs> oh, no. pelicans which are huge and terrifying herons yeah. and seagulls of course it just sometimes you can't help it when you're casting out they'll get they'll like just having your line going through the air at the same time there's this you know, doing thousands of casts a day and then a bird flies into it and you got to wrangle them in and grab. Oh, my beak. God. And they're kind of terrifying. Like when you, yeah. when you really see one up close and they're feel like pterodactyls. It. Yes, it's it's very dinosaur like. <laughs> um, and I don't know. You respect them, too, though, because you realize like they're not joking around like they could they could hurt you really bad if they wanted to. <laughs> so Man. I don't know. So, gotta respect the nature down here. It's a little terrifying sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot. That's the there's a lot more things that could just kill you uh, mm -hmm. around there, and they won't think about it. Like, I've I've always liked living in an area that doesn't have any. I don't think there's anything around me. Apparently, we have rattlesnakes sometimes. I guess I don't know. People <laughs> make stuff up. I think, but a mountain lion was seen around here every once in a while. But now it's like you don't have to worry about pretty much anything. Uh, so are you, you still in Cape Cod? No, I'm in I'm in central Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So All right. still in that area, but right on. Got black bears, right? Yeah, that they, they don't really <laughs> fuck with people. They just I don't know. But there's nothing dangerous. It's just really not very dangerous around here, uh, and I, I've always liked that. So I remember when I was in Montana visiting, it was like I swam across a river, and when I was like halfway across it, someone yells like, "Watch out for rattlesnakes!" And you're just like, "That's a really <laughs> bad time to tell somebody to watch out for snakes." And then you get to the other end, and it's like all plants and reeds and stuff and you're just like everything feels like a snake at that point it was awful yeah. i actually felt like i was like that was probably the closest i've ever been to having like a real panic attack like terror came over me but yeah <laughs> but I've yeah so you're been, in pensacola. yeah pensacola which is right almost to alabama i mean i don't know if you've ever been down here but there's it's interesting i you know especially from touring, I can't go anywhere without someone that doesn't have a cousin or a grandma <laughs> or something that's affiliated or has it, they have a tie to, to this place, which I, I kind of, I love that because there's just either, yeah, that, you, you know, they used to vacation here when they were a kid. There's some, everyone knows that name somehow. And it's kind of that place. It's everyone down here's uh, the web just goes so far as far as people being connected and I think that's what kind of drew me back in. Mm -hmm. um, the people down here are really excellent, and re the, they're the real friend type that you have for life. It's hard, you know, it's hard to find that everywhere because a lot of people growing up here they complained about it a lot. There's like, no, oh, there's nothing to do. It's it's little Pensacola. It's and I understood that too. I was even, you know, when I got a little older, I I got out at a certain point, you know. And but if you didn't, if you just stayed here, you kind of had that feeling of like. Well, I'm maybe I'm trapped here, 
But once you're mm-hmm. gone for 10 years, you're like, I want to go back there so bad. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's pretty. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm not trying to like retire or anything yet. I might, I might eventually <laughs> go somewhere else, but for right now it was the right move. So yeah. That's like, uh, I, I someday I'm going to end up down that region somewhere. I want to live somewhere where I can grow like any type of plant any time of year. Yeah. That this, would be like the dream. This this is the place for that for sure. It's it's very humid in the summer and very hot and miserable, but um if you're outside on the water, it's not bad at all. It just depends on what you want to do. Winters are awesome though. Like no, November through even January, most not most of the days, but there'll be periods of time where it's 72 and clear. And, and that's, that's when, you know, the water's really clear. looks like the Bahamas, white beaches. It's, it's pretty sweet. I got pretty lucky, you know, growing up here and, and just happened to, you know, be where my parents were at the time. And, you know, my dad, my dad's parents were military and there's a big base here and that's why they're here. And then my, my mom's parents were always from the South and, you know, I've had a lot of history here. They used to have a bait and tackle shop downtown and it's pretty wild. Yeah. But they all, is the, is the building still there? <clears throat> no, no, the same, well, the same series of buildings are, but it's changed so much. That's it's actually the, the old downtown or whatever. The main drag here was called, is in a, the area called Brownsville. And right adjacent to that is Brownsville church where I grew up going partially where the revival was and uh that's when me and my brother were mainly starting in like middle school age started in the band there and my brother's a drummer i play bass and that was like the the majority of hours playing music in a really wild culty (laughs) (laughs) fun uh extreme church so. Can you okay? Can you give us a rundown on like the Brownsville revival? Because it sounds like it's a little more of an institution than I realized. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously it is for me. I, I I do mention it, you know, to people though, and for a lot of them know what it is, you know, just because during this was like it started in '95, and uh, there was just like this what they you know an outbreak or whatever as God fell on '95, and then all of a sudden all these kind of spiritual movements were happening in the service and people started hearing about it and moving here or at least visiting here like by the thousands. And this, this it's unreal. It, it was, it was crazy. It was, I mean, the church itself probably held like 1500, 2000 people in the main building, but then they started having like tents and you know, all these, it turned into every single night of the week there was church, which was pretty crazy. Um, and there's, it got to the point where, you know, it was exciting. The music was really good, thankfully. There's, you know, all these people came down from Nashville and they started making a lot of money. And so they could afford to to pay the top musicians. I mean, just, that was one really great takeaway. But, you know, the worship in those types of churches would just go on for hours and hours. Kind of, kind of at the beginning of the service all the way through for, it could be a four to six hour service. And you never really know what's going to happen. Um, they're having people come up and getting delivered and the, you know, the preacher's laying hands on them and it's the classic, like shaking and falling on the ground type of thing and, and screaming and, uh, it, you know, it gets, it gets weird really quick. But I, to me, I'd seen so much of that growing up. It was like, it was, it really felt normal. 
and not until you know much later i realized that is not normal <laughs> so were you going there frequently like so okay 95 when it started around how old were you you said let's see well i mean let's let's go back for a second yeah at, that, at that time i was actually going to a different church on sundays and visiting uh brownsville once a week because i was in the royal rangers which is uh basically the church hey. Boy Scouts. no Shout way out yeah. yeah we've i've only <laughs> heard about those th- I've, I've heard about them a couple of times now but uh i didn't realize that it was like I, I, after do it st- like doing this and talking to people who went through it i'm like oh god that was like a bigger it was a bigger organization than i had originally thought when i first heard about it and made fun of it it's yeah. like the boy scouts <laughs> but you get an anti-masturbation badge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah um yeah i mean i actually had a good time doing that we take camping trips and 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 all that stuff and um but the, you know that was when I was a lot younger, like in elementary school, and when when we started getting into middle school age, my my family is musical starting out, and so at at the time my parents were actually going to this place down here called New Dimensions, which was is predominantly a black church. We were you know among just a few of the white families that went there, and it was like pretty hardcore black gospel, which was really really good music um and my brother being a drummer he, he got good at a young age and was even playing in church he was like better when he was 11 uh, 11 years old than the the grown man drummer that was there which would always <laughs> piss this guy off because everyone would want matt to play and my mom played organ uh and my dad played guitar so they're in the band and they had a full choir and just this badass choir director that they were really strict about being sounding perfect that's um, cool it was it's, good it wasn't that, that all are welcome kind of choir like the ones i had growing up it's like <laughs> you had to actually be good like, yeah, yeah we, we vet for talent here yes yeah if you if you can't sing you can't be a part of this don't even try like the, they, were, they took it very seriously and um yeah it was really cool you know but it was like classic kind of it, it was the same thing very charismatic uh you know they would get shout music going and uh, it's just supercharged service where people, you know, ladies are coming down the, the aisle and, and shaking all their jewelry off and like having, having, some, you know, it's kind of beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Cause you realize like, you know, I was watching, I was just a little kid, but I was like, damn, like these people need a release, like their lives, you know, when people get stressed out and like have a lot of, you know, there was a lot of families there that didn't have much money and probably worked really hard jobs and and they would get to church on sunday and that was time to like let it go um and then you get this shout music going and and the preacher gets going and <laughs> it was it was cool because my mom would accent the preacher on the on the organ if you ever seen that you know and god's gonna bring you into prosperity Word! like yes. you have to time it perfectly <laughs> And so that was what my mom's job was. And she's this little white lady up there. You know what I mean? And so it was kind of, it was kind of cool. She's kind of like the hype man for a rapper. It, it, it's exactly right. And then, you know, my brother got to, to figure out how to, how to follow that on drums too. And the way they would pump it up. And I mean, it gets you pumped up the way that they would, the way that they would get going about stuff. And like, I bet man, it's time to turn your life around. You're like, yeah. 
<laughs> See, I'm eight. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> stuff like that's cool when it's like a. I mean, it's just like a general like. I don't know. I guess you could put it in the same category as something like um, your what your Tony Robbins types, right? Like it's totally not, yeah. Like if you motivational use speaker. it as a force for good, and you're like hyping people up to actually take control of the things they have control over. Like, I, like you can see it being a force for good. And then I think what we've seen and what gets a lot more of the, a lot more airtime is like when it goes poorly, <laughs> it's when it goes poorly, it's like very bad. Yeah. Uh, but people have been using that for ever. Uh, so, and I think especially, I mean, I didn't grow up charismatic, but like just from, the conversations I've had with the people I've met along the way, like that charismatic spirit has been in the black church forever. Um, and then it seems like it's just one of those things that, I don't know, some of these white mega churches (laughs) go a little, they take it a different direction maybe, but yeah. Yeah. It kind of happens everywhere. And you know, there was, there's some weird stuff that happened there too. It, It, I think my parents finally left, because there was a speaker there that had come in and they had like a big conference and um which i was really proud of them for this because like we didn't have much money you know coming up and my parents were really hard both had full-time jobs and were hard workers and they provided for us great but you know it wasn't like we weren't wealthy um and one of the speakers at the church was her main point she was bringing up she's like God wants to get you out of that station wagon and, and into a BMW. You know, everyone's like, Oof. yeah. And my mom was just put out by that. She was just like, I don't, I don't, this is not why I go to church. I don't want to hear like, what if, what if I, you know, what if the station wagon is like what I need to have my family in? And it, it just got, you know, it felt icky. So, yeah. Um, which I, that was a standing impression from, from when I was a kid. Cause I didn't know what to think about all that stuff. You know, I was pretty young. Um, so we're kind of moving around here. Let me let me recap real quick. Basically, that was like the middle stage of my church life, if that makes sense. Um, but when I was really young, my so my mom's parents are really southern, and my dad's parents are all from the north, and so you've got super southern kind of like sweet the side of the family they lived in alabama at the time like right north of pensacola in the country grandpa loves fishing and hunting and bought his like dream cabin and built it right there and on a you know on 60 acres of land that the family had had inherited after hundreds of years of working um (laughs) and it was just a paradise for me and my brother you know and uh because we could go out there and my parents would would leave us there for like a week at a time and they we they would take to, take us to these old country churches and my grandpa played bass and sang and my grandma played piano and sang and they always were a big part of the church band and this was like super old school southern gospel um and that you know that was like the opposite end of the spectrum from my dad's parents were really shrewd northern and they got into like heavy religion and and my to be honest my grandma eventually had some like kind of mental illness problems that 
at when we were younger and even at the time we didn't just we didn't think about it that way it's not as like people didn't talk about it as much like they do now it's so prevalent mm-hmm. that people which is good um but she got heavy into this guy named Peter Ruckman which was this like bible baptist old school uh pretty racist like um oh. like he would say pretty wild joke like things on stage that would pertain to that and he had this thing called drawing men to christ and he was this he was actually excellent artist and would work with chalk and he would draw you know an illustration while he was preaching but he would just be up there talking about all this he is just this old curmudgeon kind of guy and at the time my parents uh way early on had gone to brownsville when they were kids as well and it was kind of a different church at the time but oh wow so it'd been, I didn't realize it had been that it was around. It was just coasting as like a normal ass church for totally quite a while. Yeah. Before all that happened, like my parents got married there. And then we, me and my brother, when we were, we were really little, um, my grandma decided that that church was, you know, of the devil. And she got really into this Ruckman guy. And, you know, it was like really specific stuff. Like if it ain't King James, it ain't Bible. Like, there okay, was, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's now very, we're it, talking my language. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and she had, she had tracks taped all over her bathroom wall and like, she just got really obsessive about all of it. And when me and my brother would come over, my brother's 15 months older than me. So we're just really close in age, did everything together. We, I love my grandparents. We had some good times with them too. You know, sometimes they'd take us to go, you know, feed seagulls or whatever at the beach. But most of the time they would take us over there and sit us in front of some type of like pre-recorded program. Another thing is she would she would tape everything off of TV. So there's just hundreds and hundreds of self-labeled VHSs everywhere, like a full library. I did that with Pokemon episodes because really? I, was too, <laughs> uh, I was at homeschool co-op when uh, Pokemon was on. So I needed to uh, take care of business. All right, well, kudos to you for doing that at an early age. <laughs> like you're like, I, I'm going to make my library. Do you still have them? No, God, no. I, they're probably taped over at my parents' house somewhere. But <laughs> that's awesome. It was a great memory. And at the times that, like, you know, maybe the power went out while you were gone, or like it just like fucked up the timer that you had set on your VCR. Oh my oh, God. no, devastating. Yeah, my True, grandma horrible. was like the tape wizard, so like we had. Several different things, like we had the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but it was always like she had taped over the same VHS so many times that it was kind of like pierced pieces of it were sort of spliced with like an episode <laughs> of Morris Bobich that she re- recorded or something like that. <laughs> it was not a precise art form. That's that's what kids today don't understand. Yeah, it was like uh, everything is terrible supercuts before they were. <laughs> Everything is terrible. Super yeah. That is exactly what it was like. <laughs> We're still, there's still tons of those VHSs at her house that she's passed on. My grandpa's still alive. But we're going to have to go through all of that later on when we clean that place up. It's going to be very interesting. Um, was, it, uh, was it full of the, uh, you know, 70s and 80s, like, Here's what happens when you play Van Halen backwards. On yes, the... yes, exactly. Okay. That's exactly the vein of everything she had. It was like, <laughs> you know, she'd talk about Kurt Cobain and, you know, all these like super obvious people because that's what she was getting. She was feeding herself that stuff. She also was obsessed with um, the National Enquirer tabloid. 
Oh, no way. And that was I a, didn't, she was a Bat Boy aficionado. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is a total like a red flag thing. It's like, wait, so you believe that stuff too? I don't know if she fully believed it, but that was her source of entertainment. And it was all very strange because when you know, me and my brother would go over there to see grandma and grandpa and they would put us in front of the TV screen and basically show us like one of those crazy videos like heavens or heaven's gates hell's flames or there's like all these old like really hardcore terrifying things for a kid to watch and basically they were trying to like indoctrinate us and make sure that we as kids were sent on the right path because my parents weren't doing it right we're going to the wrong church we're reading the wrong bible um so it actually you know once my parents we'd come home be like yeah they made us watch this video and of course that pissed my parents off and they just want to drop their kids off at grandma and grandpa's and have like a night off and we're over there getting indoctrinated yeah. with like wild shit. So <laughs> this is like, this is what 60 something people did before they had info wars. <laughs> yeah. It's well, the same what, energy. That Dude. was exactly what I was thinking. Dude, it's so funny. You mentioned like the grandparents indoctrinating thing. I have, my kids are young. Now my kids are five and seven. Oh, wow. And, um, well, like a, both my parents and my wife's parents are very in that like super conservative evangelical mindset. And it's like, we're, well, nothing overly alarming. I don't know if it'll ever require a conversation, but there's definitely moments where like they, my kids will say something and I'm just like, yeah, I know, I know where you heard that and it, <laughs> you're not yep. getting that here. So it's very, it, and it, the, it like bubbles in me a little bit. You're like, we need to have a conversation. And my wife is more even keeled. She's like, it's fine. Like they hear this occasionally and they live with us. Like think yeah. about like when you learn, like my grandmother was a Democrat and we grew up very staunchly Republican. I remember hearing my grandmother say things and telling my parents and it's like nothing my grandmother ever said influenced the way that I thought because of the home that I grew up in. So I don't know. You strayed it's, from the path eventually. Eventually, but it's like I don't I think know. Your kids definitely right. respond more. They'll obviously respond more to the things you do, but it does. It, like you feel that like bubble up inside you when you hear about people telling you. But I, I feel the same fucking way when my kids have to say the pledge of allegiance in, in school too. So it's not just related to like Christianity. It's uh, it's not related to just being a parent, I guess, and wanting to like your kids to not be indoctrinated by certain things. Yep. Well, those Do you remember videos. if they go ahead? Did they have any videos of uh, Mike Warnke? I don't remember that name, but probably all of the above. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious. I, he was like a big satanic panic guy that I I didn't see any videos when I was a kid, but like I've learned more recently. And oddball, he had like kind of a curly uh, Kenny Powers mullet, <laughs> wore some weird clothes, but. It'd be a fun you, to be YouTube like hole to go down to. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, y'all interviewed um, um, Christian Nightmares a while back. Yeah. That's one of my favorite pages. I mean, I have, you know, it's like what you're talking about, stuff bubbling up in you, especially when it affects your kids. We all have it, like, deep down if we come from the type of, you know, weird background. But it's got to be interesting what you guys are doing. Because you got to be getting a lot of feedback, right? Or the, especially, you know, Christian nightmares too. Because when I started seeing pages like this or, or like that one, 
some of it's kind of funny and and whatever and, and just entertainment but sometimes it hits a note and it's like you know pretty heal it can be very healing in a way because i was just most of my life it was like it was not a joke you know it was very yeah a very uh i didn't know it at the time but it was just drenched in guilt and fear for most of my childhood for stuff that is like pretty normal human stuff and when i got older i it made me angry because i it's like i came online and uh you know, kind of like realize everything I believe or or have ha- spent time, you know, believing in and working in has basically just been told to me by an older person that acted like they knew what they were, they had it together or like figured something out or had the answer. And I'm like, well, I'm a grown ass man now. I'm going to ask questions and, and try to try to figure this thing out on my own and, and it's not that I'm against one thing or the other. I just want to know what's true. So how do I do I that? I think what the the part of that that like really got to me, you know, as I started to come out, all that stuff is like learning that some of the things that I were taught as like, you know, fact, of course, but just like solid Christian doctrine passed down through millennia, you know, were kind of new. I mean, like, uh, since you know we've been doing this i i mean i never knew that the rapture was like something that really started you know that it was like a an interpretation that started like a couple hundred years ago i thought that the apostles were talking about the rapture you know i mean <laughs> stuff like that or or like the emphasis on like sexual purity that wasn't there like 50 years ago i mean it's just weird to find out that the things that were like such a central part of the christianity that you were you know, spoon fed, it's like, this isn't even, this hasn't even been around that long. Like people would, people didn't care about this a hundred years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. Not yeah, like two lifetimes ago or something like that. And you're right. That was those two things you just mentioned are like two of the heaviest things, you know, having to deal with growing up. Cause that was, I mean, going through puberty was a nightmare. It's like (laughs) having a first, you know, any type of interaction with a girl was like, I just was so written with guilt. And so was she like my first real girlfriend that we were of age to, it's like, I just want to touch your boob, but I don't want to burn in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have the, uh, the heartfelt, uh, come to Jesus moments afterwards where you like promised each other never again will I touch your boob not once (laughs) not ever and by God's will we're going to be strong and then that night six hours later (laughs) there we are fooling around I hated that though it's it's, it's, part of our testimony when we're older and married and have 12 children (laughs) well I I mean it's funny now but it's so frustrating to think about for real because it really ruined a lot of just times that I could have just been a kid and not had to have so much of that, like put on guilt between me and just like someone that I wanted to have a first experience with without that. Right. And I envied the kids that got to have that. They're like these, you know, a lot of kids I went to school with or ended up, I was skateboarding a lot back in the day. And like those kids, not a lot of them went to church and they just kind of had, either broken families or someone that didn't, you know, teach them religion and they yeah. were like cussing and making out with girls and doing whatever. And they just seemed so happy. 
And I was like, man, you can't be doing that, you know? And they're like, why? What are you talking about? And it's just so weird because I was so steeped in it that I, I couldn't see outside of that, you know, my life. I had it together. I had the answer. And all these kids are, I'm just trying to save them from burning in hell forever. Right. And... And you don't have a good reason for why, like, what, what, who cares? And you're like, well, it, it's wrong. Like, why? I, it's in the Bible. And yeah. it's like, you don't, you don't really know. You just know that it's, it's like, you know that it's wrong in the same way that you like know that grass is green. Like, you don't know. You're you don't just know. like, this just is something you say and you believe it's true. And, and I, you're suspicious of anyone who says otherwise. Like, totally. you have to guard your heart, you know? So, like, yeah. you always are on edge and like, not a hundred percent comfortable around people who aren't of the exact same persuasion, you know? Yeah. I, remember... I realized how much of that was like deeply entrenched in me when I have a foster son. He's 19 now. He's been living with me on and off since he was 11, but oh, that's cool. He moved in like on a permanent basis when he was 16 and you know, he want to hang out with girls, have girls over and all this stuff. And like, that's when I realized like how much I had, you think you like think you escape it more than you really do in some ways. Cause all of a sudden now that I have to think about this stuff. And of course you want to like, you know, you have, I, I had uncomfortable conversations about consent and protection and shit like that. And I wanted to kill myself afterwards, but it was like, <laughs> it, it's like, <laughs> I just am like, Oh my uh, God. I don't, I don't even know if like what the right way to do this is. I don't, I still feel uncomfortable about the idea that this could be happening under my roof. And it's like, right. He's literally just holding hands with a classmate. And you think you're like living an episode of euphoria. Oh my God, dude. (laughs) But it's, it's like, it's like, it really like kind of held a mirror up to myself in a way where I'm like, Oh, this is still a big part of me. Even though like maybe for myself, if I was like, I mean, I've been married for, going on 14 years at this point so it's like i I didn't deal with that um but you know even some of my friends who grew up in it who ended up divorced or left like the faith later on and in their 30s they're like in having relationships with people or just having consensual sex with people that they don't plan on seeing again and you're just like they're like that felt like awful like oh my god like i thought i was done with this like i thought i moved past it and then you know, the adage that we had was like, the reason you're becoming more comfortable with it is because God's just turning over to your lustly desires. And you're actually just like, that's just confirmation that you're going down a dark path. And then those thoughts come back in. Oh my God. Yeah. So circular. And it's like really hard to escape. Yeah. That's a great example of like, no matter, at least for me, I can't say this for everybody, but it never leaves you, you know, like, I think just from it being ingrained when you're so young, it's that guilt and all, on all those weird feelings on every pretty much every step in life. It's not that I I haven't conquered it in my mind and kind of mm-hmm. realized that that wasn't that's not the right way to think about that. You have to, you know, you have to move forward, you have to test things. And yes, I don't know the exact answer, but at least I'm willing to admit that now. But it still never leaves you. And that's kind of the scary part of it. And I don't, you know, I would just never want to put that type of thing on anyone else. Um, And, you know, 
I don't know. It's it's uh it's it's really strange to think about and talk talk to other people that haven't gone through that as well because they don't totally understand yeah. it. But then the there's mo- probably more people at least around my circle of friends that have, especially musicians. It's funny most most musicians I know that are in bands now and that tour, all of them played in church, and a lot of them went oh, to really? really you know kind of like heavy culty churches like i did so at least we can bond on that (laughs) it is bonding man it brings people together at this point in life you're like oh it's so nice to know that someone understands the first 20 years of my life and the turmoil that i went through yeah talking about like those videos and stuff like that is there any is there anything that like immediately replays in your head when you when you think about watching those watching which ones which videos like the ones that your grandma showed you or just any of that like apocalyptic sort of fire and brimstone christian media stuff (laughs) um yeah there's there's like little snippets of it you know that because they were so cheesy now that i think about them i mean it was like super (laughs) low budget like 80s looking but there was actually something terrifying about that you know the way like a really bad horror movie it's like it's 80s so, porn without the porn. Yeah, it's like so <laughs> bad that it's actually scary for more. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But as a kid, it just scared the shit out of me. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to feel that way. And But it, it, it held on because I, for most of my life, I was like actually scared of doing bad things because I was going to burn forever in this terrible place. And, you know, the other option was I had to admit that Jesus was uh, the son of God embodied and that he died for us. And if I did that and then I get to go to this like golden palace with all the good people. And I just, as time went on, I just kept thinking of through that. And cause it I was just sold out for it. I was like, yep, that's, that's the way things are, you know? And uh, then when I finally, you know, me and my brother left the church, uh, probably like early right early high school late middle school and we had been doing these big church conferences called branded by fire and branded by fire yeah i haven't heard of those ones we uh i would i went to a, a choir the fire or two okay that sounds familiar where was that uh new england i don't know if they were that but i think they were all over they might have been all over the place i think acquire the fire was like a linked to some other national ministry but was it the same though? Cause this was like, you know, just a ton of different youth groups traveling to spend like a week in Pensacola and go to church every day. And there's, Oh, this was in Pensacola. No, it wasn't. Yeah. So it's different, but it's probably a very, I mean, I can't imagine it being much different. Something about the way these things are run. Then it never, no one was like re like inventing the way this was done. It was like, yeah, it's a bunch of youth groups travel to a place and they sit around and they watch someone tell them why you know they need to get rid of their a bunch of tweens cry during a cutlass set. Yeah, <laughs> get rid of your un- your non Christian T shirts. Get rid of your non Christian music. Buy our Christian Buy merch our and music. Oh man, yeah, we it's were all the same. Yep. So we were we were the band for for every year we'd have it every summer here. We did it for I probably did it for like five years and it was excellent for us because there'd be like a couple thousand kids you know showing up to these things and we were we're like we're rock stars dude we're and so this was cool. in high school. <laughs> this is like yeah late middle school early high school 
Um, okay. Cause you was, said, I want to just clarify, cause you said you left the church early high school. Did you leave it as like a, we're done with this or you left the church you were in to go do this thing? No, it, what happened is, is this, uh, this conference that went on for years, we actually left officially be kind of because of one. It was the last one that we played at and we had, you know, a really bad um, interaction with the staff at our church, which we'd been playing in the youth group for years and years. And uh, basically we were getting to the point where we were coming of age and then we were able to, my brother was 16 at the time, I think, so we had to drive and we had to pay for gas and we needed jobs. And like we were spending all of our time at church. It was Monday night. We had cell group, which is a smaller, you know, they'd break apart the entire youth group into little cells and you'd pick someone's house and we'd go there and eat brownies and Doritos and pray. And, and it was actually, you know, it was fun, but it was like very, it took a lot of time. It was every week. Tuesday was rehearsal for Wednesday night church. It was band practice because our worship team was actually really, you know, it was really good. It was really well practiced and thankful for that because I got so many hours in Wednesday night service that would go on forever. And then of course, you you know, you've got Sunday as well, which we did like a youth ministry in the early morning and then the second service. And it was like my whole life was just centered around church. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of need a job. I kind of need to get paid at some point. And so we had talked to the staff at our church and months before this conference and we're like, look, we've been doing this for free for the past couple of years. So I was just seeing if there's something in a budget to like, you know, supplement our time. And they were like, absolutely. We're going to get you guys squared away, taken care of. And, you know, months roll by and then we get time in time to, to play and we were all prepared and practiced. And through the grapevine, I hear there wasn't enough tickets sold to the conference. They had to strike some of the, different things because of the budget and one of those things was paying the musicians getting stiffed at the door (laughs) yeah and no one was no one was telling me that i just heard it so i did they were forthright about the financial situation (laughs) (laughs) i know right Uh, so simple but i I love the idea of them sitting you guys down though and being like look kids money doesn't grow on trees it shows up in bowls once a week by the thousands, and we can't give you any. Yeah, it's all for us. No. Uh, what was funny is I, I at the time I was pissed, so I called the staff and was like, "Before there's any other talk about this, I would like to just sit down with you guys and figure out what's going on." And we went to breakfast with them with some, you know, a bunch of staff members we'd we'd worked with for years, and they are friends and kind of got into the gritty of the conversation and it's like a couple of them just like turned on us basically and we're like you guys are do not doing this for the right reason and blah 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 and all and their asses were getting paid dude yeah i mean well it was just <laughs> it was just kind of gross and you know i forgive those people at this point they were just so stuck in that world and mm-hmm. you know it was just sad because i was like well based on principle you know you told us you're going to do something and now you're pulling out. And then on top of that, you're basically making me feel bad for asking for something you told me you're going to give me because I'm not spiritually in the right place and I'm not doing it for the right reason for the kingdom or whatever. So it, it just became apparent. We eventually had to go to the head pastor. It was gross. It was like asked him and 
figured it out because then my mom was involved. She's like, you can't, you know, she's, they're not going to do this to my kids. And we ended up, <laughs> oh he, he ended up paying us like partial, like just based on principle, what we needed to get covered. It was not due. We're talking like, I think we may have made $400 on this entire week. Like it was that, it was like that. So that's why I was even more like shitty. So yeah, we just wanted to be there and do it, but we just were broke. So, um, so that really put us out. And then we finally, we were trying to like, <laughs> we were trying to turn our worship band into an actual rock band at the time anyways. And we were like, you know, we were growing up a little bit. So we wanted to get out of the church and, and go do other things and be still be a, a quote Christian band or whatever, but not confined to, to the youth group band. And that turned into a big thing as well. It just got nasty by the end of the conference where the the new youth pastor, which is another story, came in <laughs> and this is at like the last service. He goes, he called everybody that's musicians into the room and he goes, he goes, all right, guys, uh, next Tuesday, we're going to have auditions for the church band. And <laughs> I love the new youth pastor. Yeah. And we're sitting, we're all sitting <laughs> there looking at each other. We're like, we are the church band. What are you talking about? We've been here for years, but he was, you know, we knew what he was saying. He's basically like, we're going to now open it up to anybody else that that wants to be in this band. And so we need more people who don't want to get paid. Exactly. So we just all looked at each other. We're like, I peace. So yeah. <laughs> we talked about it some afterwards, the guys, but you know, that were in the band and spent a lot of time together, but we just kind of fizzled out and, and I never went back to church after that. Um, the, and the new youth pastor. That's a pretty cold break. Like at any given church, the new youth pastor comes into it like like a, a high school basketball coach that thinks that he's going to turn the team around and and eventually there's going to be a Disney movie about him. You know, like the new youth pastor comes in and he's like, I'm about to shake this place up. Yes. Well, and usually it's it's a person with zero life experience that's fresh out of college that basically drank their way through final exams and stuff like that. And now it's time to get serious and spiritual with a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. Yep. The new it? you. The, Those, uh, yeah. Go my, ahead. Sorry. So my older brother, sorry, man. Um, my older brother is 15 months older than I am too. Uh, oh, wow. and I were real close growing up and dude, he was driving. He, he's, he was still living at home at the time. This is when I, I think I was like in college, but, the youth group I was part of had a new youth pastor and my brother fizzled out on the whole Christian thing, like the evangelical go to church stuff than before I did. And like, God, he was like, I, I, I might be getting some of the story a little bit mixed, but basically like he was driving behind this youth pastor. Like, so they, my parents, my family, very active in it. My sister was part of the youth group. Um, so everyone knew my family, even though my, my brother wasn't going to church anymore. And it he was driving behind this guy and he felt like my brother was driving behind him like too close. So he pulled over and then let my brother pass. And then he didn't realize it was my brother at the time, but he, he, he did when he passed. So he followed him. He followed my brother home. Oh boy. And like followed him up the driveway, got out and like tried to lecture him about like my wife and baby are in the car and you were driving way too close. It's right. My brother was probably one of the least reckless drivers I've ever met. Like mm -hmm. pretty cautious guy, not really going out of his way to do anything crazy. So, uh, 
that's the only story I remember about the guy who replaced my youth pastor there. It was just like, what a weird thing to do. Yeah, like intimidate a child <laughs> yeah. in their own driveway. <laughs> going to follow you home because you drove too close. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, man. They're all people, and that's it took a long time to figure that out, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we saw a lot of, it, it got kind of ex- extreme, and I use that word because when I was in the heat of all of this, we got one of those new youth pastors like you're talking about that's going to come in and shake everything up. It's not the same guy that told us that we have an open audition <laughs> next week. <laughs> But at the time, he was like super flashy and came in and it was it was seriously like Kenny Powers or something coming in there. Like they had these <laughs> motocross videos and fireworks and all this stuff. And <laughs> like, here's the new era. And uh, and to be honest, it was fun because and it was exciting. There was as just as not spiritually, but like as just being a part of something like that. Like they were giving away Xboxes for how many, if whoever brought the most people to church next week, I mean, they were just like <laughs> throwing Xboxes out like no big deal. And that's right. When Amazing. Xbox was like the coolest thing that had ever come out. Incidentally, an Xbox cost as much as they paid you <laughs> when they couldn't afford it. <laughs> oh, let's no. save more. Souls. Can I have that's one of those so bad. I can sell it at a pawn shop and make gas money? <laughs> But um, but it worked. That was the crazy thing. And then hundreds of kids started coming to this youth group, uh, and they were. This was. They must have been paying this guy so much money from like the head church. He drew. <laughs> he drove a Plymouth Prowler. Do you know what that is? I don't. Oh, Just yeah. Please Google no, that's one, one of those. the most. It's like an automotive abomination. I'm it, googling it. Right totally <laughs> is. Yeah, Google it. Google a yellow one. He had a yellow one, and. I remember one of the like prizes. One... It's like for dudes who do vape tricks. <laughs> it looks like a vape on wheels. It really does. <laughs> like if they made a prowler vape, I would buy it just as a joke and smoke it all the time. <laughs> like, like I would. You, you, you got to be rolling up on the hookah lounge in that thing. Yeah, yeah. This guy was oh ultimate, like ultimate cool guy, like leather jacket youth pastor he drove that thing around town he was so extreme i mean he should have been he shouldn't have been a youth pastor because he was you know that world was i think easier for him to kind of get into but he should have been some type of like he's like a sales like entertainer or comedian (laughs) or or something he was like a mixture of yeah like chris angel and ricky bobby or something it's really weird oh my god Andrew Tate in a in a Plymouth Prowler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a. I can't. I can't get that out of my mind. I'm. God. Yeah, I I'll send you a poster of it. Not a person driving this. It's insane. It's an insane vehicle. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. It's like a bullet car. It's like a PT Cruiser Sport. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh so. God. So that was so, him, and you know. I, I really, I still like that guy. Like, you know, if I saw him tomorrow, it's not like he ever really did anything bad. He was just, he was in a position to make a lot of money. Uh, I think the church offered him a ton of money, like a salary position. And he took it and, and blew the youth group up as big as he could. And it actually worked. Uh, 
So it was fun at the time because we were doing all these crazy church camps in the summertime and there's, you know, tons of kids coming and pretty girls everywhere. So it was all the guys would show up too. And then we had this huge youth group. <laughs> like cover charge. Um, we talk about this, like, especially with, I have a few friends or at least, you know, my buddy Brandon, I go fishing with all the time. We'll like be out on the kayaks and kind of start talking about the old days of what actually happened there. It's just like dying laughing. Like it doesn't seem real and you couldn't really write it. It's kind of like, like we were talking about the youth camps we had. (laughs) One of the games that we had at this youth camp was called, they called it Amazon woman. And like where this is going, (laughs) they basically, it started out where there's all these different teams. So each, you know, we're broken into different colored teams I'm I'm not kidding. They put down a tarp in the middle of a field and put baby oil all over it. And <laughs> and had all the girls cluster up together in the middle of the tarp and lock arms like a giant pile of girls. And then they would have <laughs> the other team of either girls or guys try to pull them off of each other until there's only one person left. And there was, I guess there was a time limit or something. You can, they're all, you know, pulling each other's clothes off. Basically they're, they're lathered up in baby oil and all of the other dudes are just standing around like this. Just like, Oh my God, this is the greatest (laughs) summer camp of my life. (laughs) (laughs) They're all, it's just a circle of guys with, obvious erections in their bathing yes. suits yes exactly <laughs> oh my god what dude it's about like weirdly like oddly horny youth group games a few times <laughs> like where you gotta pop a balloon without using your hands like with a partner and yeah. it, it got really strange it was yeah. one extreme or the other either uh you know it was like overtly sexual weird games like that or it's like you're wearing a suit and tie as you like jump <laughs> off a platform onto the blob. You yeah. Know? Like two kinds of church camps out there. There really is. And there's certain types of horny too. And horny church camp kids are a whole different level. It's, <laughs> it's, it's next level. Like, like what it, is it? The, it it's, it's yeah. a lot of wet dreams simultaneously happening. I think, you know how like, like they, they, they talk about how like music aligns people. And when you're at a show, your heart, your heartbeat syncs up with the people around you. I think at youth camp, your wet dreams all happen at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. A, like you're having the same dream front and you just deposit your sleeping bag on the way out. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's, it's like one of those crinkle tunnels that you give your cat. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not peeling that thing apart. It's going on the dumpster. <laughs> okay. You have to shake it off your hand because it's just yeah. completely stuck to it. God. Yeah. So <laughs> that changed my life forever. Yeah. <laughs> how like how uh how sold are you throughout this whole thing? Like, are you still like devout throughout this whole process? Like, when did your personal commitment to Christianity change? Did it take a second after when you were like, when you left and never went back, I assume it took a second for you to be like your beliefs, like your beliefs didn't change when you made your break from the church. 
No. Yeah, that's a good question. I it, it was definitely a really slow process of um once I got out of the church band, you know, I was in Pensacola at the time and me and my brother still wanted to to play in a band of some sort cuz we were the rhythm section and you know, we could have put some guys together or whatever. And we still wanted our like youth group band to turn into a rock band, but dude, it was like we <laughs> It was not good. It was like butt rock, <laughs> like very, you know, I think we played one show and our singer luckily quit the band before the show. And so we played it instrumentally. <laughs> and I'm so glad that he didn't sing because it was just I, I love the guy, but it was it was it was radio butt rock, like with Christian lyrics. It was just the nightmare. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, what just for a point of reference, like when did you graduate high school? Two thousand six. Oh, okay. So you're right in there with us then. Yeah. Were you uh Were you into Christian music at all, like growing up? Hell yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that I am very grateful for is DC Talk. Is that band changed my life? And I still that, listen to those records and love them. I do too. That has Jesus to be the through line supernatural. of this podcast. It's yeah, like, everyone it, still loves DC Talk. Yeah, yes, <laughs> good. They should. They're great. That's fan. the takeaway that I've gotten because I didn't get into them. Uh, I I just didn't. I guess I just didn't get into music. I didn't start trying to listen to music until I was in high school. Yeah. Um. So I I missed it, and and the amount of people I've talked to who are like, it's like DC Talk. I I would love to talk to one of those people. Actually, we haven't really even tried to reach out to them, but. Oh, that were in the band. We talked to uh, what um, Kevin Max for a minute. Oh, yeah. nice. That's right. Yeah. How yeah. was that? Well, no. Well, we went not back and forth for a like while, and then he just yeah. decided like he hadn't done any. He kind of was like, I just don't, I don't feel like doing any podcasts, and he hasn't hadn't really done any. Um, yeah. He did a couple. I don't know. It was kind of weird. It just went back and forth for a while. When but he he left the faith like officially, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I just the amount of people who still talk about them who have also like i think that's what's cool about them is like it was obviously like kind of cheesy christian lyrics uh, on a lot of levels but then everyone who listened to them who who isn't christian anymore still still talks about them and, and the influence they had and yeah it's cool i mean i don't i don't think you'd get that with a lot of other christian bands you know no way i don't know bro you want to talk about skillet <laughs> I only did Christian rock growing up, so I liked all of them. Yeah, there. Yeah, there used to be a festival down here called Grace Fest that we'd go to every year on the fairgrounds that had every single one of those bands. It was like Skillet and Audio Adrenaline and you know, Newsboys and DC Talk and I mean, you name it, all of them. <laughs> um, very familiar with all that, but DC Talk was the best. I it was it was kind of cool, like. I realize, like all the guys in Manchester, they had a kind of kind of a similar upbringing, but um, we could at least connect on DC Talk, and we all found out we love that together. We're like, yeah, this is gonna work out. <laughs> <laughs> but then we've talked to other bands that didn't have the church background before, and you try to to try to bring that up, and like, if you have any outsider in the room, and someone starts like rapping jesus freak or whatever or like singing any these talk <laughs> lyrics and then everyone joins in and then there's one guy that never heard of them before they're like what the hell is going on like yeah <laughs> they just have never heard of that you know what i mean it's so i think we got lucky 
to, to to know what that band is because apparently half the world doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I guess that's a share. So is that is like a Christian background, a shared like it was just a coincidence that you shared with a lot of those guys? Yeah. Yeah. The that's the drummer Tim so has, is actually I mean, he was born in Rhode Island, but he actually grew up in Pensacola as well. Um, his dad's still down here and we just had a lot of mutual friends. Those guys are, or at least Tim was a little bit older than me, but as I came up playing, you know, in different indie bands and we just kind of all reconnected later. So I've been with those guys for 10 years, which is pretty crazy. Um, but we just, we just clicked, you know, it just worked Mm -hmm. out and certainly has, uh, a huge, you know, weight to it that we all have that background to share and a lot of those guys are like you know still in the faith and and but they're not it it was really nice meeting them because after being out of the church for so long i found out that they're christian guys but they were so nice and so normal and so not like hyper religious and crazy about it or forcing it or judgmental i was like that's what i missed out on i i i almost got to the point where I had seen so many bad examples. I was just like, I don't want to be a part of this. But, you know, I also appreciate the people that are in the faith that are like still good people and that it does good things in their life. And if that's the way they want to live it, then then I support that. That's the journey, you know, 100 percent. Yeah, it's uh, it's like when you realize that there's a, <clears throat> there's a different way to do it that's less intrusive uh, yeah. and provides a level of meaning, it's it's something that you don't see uh, growing up in the evangelical sphere really. Um, So your uh, let's, let's jump back to like your, your initial, like begin the beginnings of your exit. um, Like as far as belief goes, do you have an idea of where that was? Yeah. um, I would say when, after the whole, you know, we left the church as far as playing music we started a, a band or it was already an established band, but me and my brother started playing for this guy named Jesse that had started a band called the gills. And it was like, kind of, it was like super heavy Beatles influence, but it was, it was like really happy kind of hokey music. But then when we started playing it, we would just play really loud like we always did and turn it into kind of more of a rock and roll band. And the mixture of those two things were great. And then we started playing bars and clubs around Pensacola. And it was like one of the most freeing experiences because from one of the first shows, people just latched on to it. It was something fun to do. Um, And I hadn't played a a real rock show before. I was always in playing in worship bands and trying to like understand what that experience is is like. But you're always, you know, playing original music. You're playing worship songs. And trying to make them rock songs, and that's not a good mix. <laughs> not um, quite the same. Yeah, so I just was like, I was sold on it from the beginning. We played one show in this old place called Sluggos down here, which every band ever has played. Um, it's like this cool little hub here, and little crusty room full of sweaty kids, and they're all hopping around and stoked. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. But you know, then we eventually started playing more and more and then we needed money and we found out we could play bar gigs and play cover songs as well for like three or four hours and save up our money and go on tour with it. And that was like a hack that we used for years 
but when we started going to the bars and stuff, we were actually, I was underage. I was like 20, 19 and 20. So I couldn't legally drink, but the bars we went to wouldn't check because we were the band. And <laughs> that was great. And I was just, I had never partied, you know what I mean? And then, and I had never smoked weed. I had never really drank. I think I'd tried it, but never got real drunk. And there was just a big part of me that was like, I have to go taste what is out there and know, and I'm going to feel bad about it. I'm going to feel guilty about it. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll pray for forgiveness, but like, <laughs> I'm going to go taste the world for a while. And, and that kind of brought me down a journey of just meeting tons of people and with different perspectives. And I was, I, I'd realized how much of a bubble I was in for most of my life. And it, it totally, it just changed everything. And, um, you know, basically I had, I've been on that type of journey since. Um, and it's, it's, it's just slowly taken layer and layer off of all of that, like, you know, preconceived notions about other people and what their spirituality is and the fact that they're doing the wrong thing or going to go to hell and all this. I'm, I've, it's amazing how long it took. And luckily I'm alive, I'm alive at this age and I can more comfortably just be like, look at someone and go, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer. I don't need to have the answer right now. I've had the answer my whole life and it didn't make me happy. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't, you can't look at me and tell me that you know what happens when we die. I don't care which religion you're in or which, how much theology and all of these things, how much knowledge you have. I understand that's your faith. I get that. You, if you can't look at me and say, I don't know, then there might be something wrong with you. Yeah. You just, there's no reason to trust that. Um, yeah. Even to preface, like, this is what I believe, but. I don't know that. Exactly. Like, there's not even that level of comfortability. I dude, I remember having conversations with people being like, no, I know. And they're like, no, you don't. I'm like, no, I do. That's how like, I was. Well, I, and they're like, well, I know that that's not true. I'm like, and then your brain starts fucking short circuiting. You're like, how? well, I know that what you think, you know, you know, you think, you know, I know. And then it's like, what are we doing? It's like, it's we were like taught toddlers. that was like conviction is to like insist in the face of resistance that you did know for sure. And it was kind of a fake it till you make it sort of thing, you know, cause I don't know that I ever really felt it in my bones that it was true, mm -hmm. but I wanted so bad to feel that way that I, I mean, I would have said it to anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a good point is I, I really wanted it to, I, well, I like back in the day, when people were speaking in tongues and people were going through all the spiritual motions and doing all this stuff, I was like, I want that. I want to be sold out. I want to be, I want to feel whatever they're feeling. And I would go down and I would try to receive the, the quote gift of tongues. And I'd have people hit, lay their hands on me and I would just be a hundred percent in like, and I didn't feel anything and it never happened. And then I thought maybe God, you know, didn't choose me. I'm not, I'm not chosen in that way. So I kind of felt bad about myself and I kept trying and kept trying. And, um, I at least know I exhausted that. I was like, I, I was fully 100% willing to just give up everything and, and live that life. And, and then, you know, looking back on that now, it's, 
it's just interesting. At least I can say that. Like I, I, I witnessed some very interesting things, you know, Dude, I and... fucking love the way you just <clears throat> phrased that, like that, mm-hmm. that you exhausted it, like that you yeah. didn't not like, cause people will be like, well, maybe you didn't just didn't try a lot. Like Dude, you just know, like, yeah, especially with what we're told, we were told that like, all you have to do is give yourself, like they made it sound so simple. Like if you just give your heart over to this and everything will be great and God will save you and God will give you, God wants to give you these gifts. He's just waiting for you to be able to receive them. And right. it's like, bitch, I tried to fucking receive these forever. My forever. entire life. Like mm-hmm. I know that I was uh, up until mid twenties, even late twenties, like still like I I'm here. I'm still trying. Like maybe some things are changing, but like I'm here and I'm trying. And like, there's this, uh, it's like a story. I'll probably butcher a little bit, but it's like the story. Um, it's called the invisible gardener. And just the idea is that like these two people walk into, I've told this on the podcast before, but it's, it's, uh, these two people are walking through the woods and they come to this clearing and it's like a perfect garden and they stake it out for like over and over again and they can't there's no gardener and they're like well maybe the guard so then someone's like there had because this garden looks perfect like there has to be a gardener and someone's like i just i just don't think there is we've seen no evidence of a gardener i just think maybe this happened and well maybe the gardener is invisible so they set traps and it's like well maybe the gardener is this and it's like the idea this the point of the story is basically like they you just keep qualifying this gardener and it's like they equate that to god like Let's just keep qualifying. God's perfect and designed everything. Well, God didn't respond here because such and such. And then, well, this yeah. didn't happen because such and such. And you just, you qualify this God until it's essentially ineffective in your life. Uh, and, but you still get to like, hold on to this idea that it's true. You just keep coming up with reasons with why it's not working for you. And I just, that story spoke to my life a lot as I got older, where it's just like, I think that's what I've been doing. Like Mm -hmm. I keep trying to make this concept of God that I have fit into my life. And then when things change, I'm like, well, maybe God's more like this. And then I change it. Maybe God's more like this. And I'm, I mean, I still, I, I don't think I've abandoned this concept, like a concept completely in some ways. And I still have like a connection to uh, the Christian tradition in my personal life, but I'm like, I, that story has really changed the way that I've explained or thought of and kind of released me from feeling like I need to make this work for or make sense to anybody else. It's just, yeah, yeah, that's good, man. I, uh, <clears throat> I took me like, I know you guys know this too, but the way church felt it's still this way. I hear a lot of like, you know, sermons online and thing clips and different things. And one thing that kind of set me back in life, I felt like was the mentality of everything that you do here on earth is really just for what is going to be in the afterlife. It's like store mm-hmm. of your treasures in heaven or however you want to put it. And that gave me a weird mindset about my life as if it wasn't actually that important because I remember a guy explaining it to me one time. He's like, eternity is a circle and it keeps going round like this forever and ever. And your life is a tiny blip on that circle and that's it. And I was like, oh, so it's, you know, and me, I was like, that's, so it's not actually that important. It's just this little flash in the pan kind of thing. And really it's all about eternity. So I'm going to act 
minded in that way and it diminished all like the importance of what is happening second by second in my life and the people around me and stepping away from the church as well helped me realize like I don't know what's going to happen and so that means there's a possibility that this is the only thing I've never wanted to admit that because it's a scary thing to admit it's a scary thing to think when you die the lights are out and that's it you know what I mean and that's that's to me, just it's so even saying it now, it makes me it gives me gives me the chills because my entire life I could never admit that and say something like that without being like that's blasphemous towards God or that is, you know, um, yeah. Anyways, I'm ad- I'm willing to admit it's a possibility. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. Right. It's not because that's what I want to happen, and I don't live my life in the way that that is the definite truth. But I do live my life in a way that that's a possibility. So my point is, is getting, looking around and seeing like, I have a very, very short life. We all do. And when it comes down to it, it's going to happen really quickly. It, you know, I've had friends pass away. I know that that's a possibility um, at an early age as well. So I really want to take my time here and, and be careful with what I do and the relationships that I have and try to do try to be a really good person and do the right things in life while I'm here and not do it just because I'm trying to like score points elsewhere. It's not why I'm doing it, you know? And, and that was very, it it was at least helpful for me as a, you know, growing up a little bit because I'm like, I need to focus on my wife and be a good husband and listen to what she's saying and like, stop trying to score points with, with God. You know what I mean? Like, that can all happen at the same time if you have faith and that you can do it your own way. But I've just seen a lot of people that everything that they have in their life, they attach it so hard to their religion and to God. And God is saying this right now and, and God is doing that. And it's like, I think you're not, I think you're actually getting off track of what's right in front of you. I'm not saying you can't do both of those things and give the honor to God and everything that you do. But it just gets, at least for me, it was it was getting to a scary place to where I was not thinking about my, I was thinking about heaven is more of a reality than my actual life. And that's all my goal was to not burn forever and to go to this crazy palace in the sky and get in and, and then I'll be good. And like, it's just totally an insane way to live. Cause <laughs> a wheel. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost less of, it's like, it's, yeah, it's about that. It's about wanting heaven in the palace in the sky, but it, you're not even you. You're not motivated by good things. You're motivated by more or less the fear of the alternative. Totally. Because like, when you think about heaven, you're like, I don't know how to even make this sound like it could be fun to anybody. Yeah. Like, there's no way to communicate this concept in a way that sounds cool. Yeah. You just live there forever. Right. And God's there, and you're like, that's cool. And you're like, you, yeah, God. You sing you worship Him. Our God like, is an awesome God, as around forever, <laughs> forever and ever. It's like it's almost it's like only it's like one level above hell like hell is like constant pain <laughs> yeah heaven is just eternal discomfort because you have to sing the same stupid fucking song for the rest of your goddamn eternity oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. it is funny how people go two different directions on that you know and it, it, like as you get older you see those manifest in like your friends and stuff because you've hit i mean even aside from spirituality like you have the friend that saves 
every penny he makes. Like he doesn't leave town. He doesn't buy anything. I mean, literally just like banks money forever. Yes. You know, and and then I guess I don't know, maybe as a kid and that's where it goes when he's when he's dead, you know, or you have the other friend who like is always in like financial peril because <laughs> they, they got a tax return and they, you know, financed a, a dog for three times the amount of the tax return. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds like a very specific story. I'm not yeah. calling anyone out. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Dude. Yeah, you're I don't right. know. I I know we um we've had you for a minute. Do you have a little bit more time to yeah, yeah, I'm good. To shift into uh I want to ask you some Manchester questions. Go for it. Yeah. Or just like just generally when your life started shifting towards like career musician because that must have been the such a I know it's always like a slow burn when like for musicians mm-hmm. you like just chasing and chasing and it's like a constant grind. And then like, I, I, I almost want to imagine things start probably going in there like that direction before they even settle in. Like you don't get too comfortable. Right. You're yeah. just like, Oh, Holy shit. I'm actually moving towards this. Like, what was that? What was that like? Or when around, I guess around when was that? Because sometimes you can also get this idea. Sorry to keep prefacing, but then no, you can okay. get this idea in your mind, like, like, oh, that they totally made. Like, it feels like the bands you love made it, but like sometimes they really are like still struggling, and it just doesn't appear that way, too. Yeah, man, that's all. That is so good because not a lot of people have a deeper understanding of kind of the way that it can or cannot work. I mean, uh. Just for me, to be honest, for years and years, like when I, um, I always wanted to play music, and that's why I did it in the church. And but always in the back of my head, I was like, I, my, for I would love to make this a career. It's all I ever want. Like, I loved it so much. I loved performing. My brother played as well, and I had this big dream in my head about me and him being in, in a band together and making it our career and. And being successful and people knowing who we were and having money and all this stuff. And these are kid dreams. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I wanted. And we had a band. We moved out of the city together. We moved to the big city, which was Nashville, which was seven hours north. And and pushed really, really hard for years to to go somewhere with it. I even remember I told my parents, I was like, <laughs> we both, we, we had this great plan. We are like, mom, dad, <laughs> we're going to move to Nashville. And when we, but when we turn, when I turn 25, if our band hasn't made it yet, I'm going to go back to school. And I said, it was like a complete lie, complete fabrication. <laughs> Cause you know, 25 came around and, but at the same time, it was a, dis- a disappointment to myself as like anything else. When you're a kid, you have all these big dreams. Things just do not go the way that you plan them for anything you do in life year by year. If you haven't figured that out by now, you need to wake up as a human being. Stop, <laughs> yep. stop dreaming so much and get to work and do, you know, whatever it takes. But it's easier to say that it was really hard at the time because as that band was failing and other things weren't going right, I just I struggled with so much fear of failure because I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I was like selling security systems on, you know, at a call center for a long time in Nashville. And like it was like the most soul sucking job and it was I was probably, you know, 26 at the time. Like telemarketing kind of. Yeah. Or the cold like, calls. like cold calling and doing oh, all God. that. I did that in college and it was like it's, it's truly soul sucking. Yeah. 
and and I had it though because it was like I could work inside during the winter. Um, I had a friend there that was a drummer. He said you can make pretty good money if you know how to sell stuff. I, excuse me. I absolutely hated talking to people on the phone about, especially about that. I felt bad for calling them. I just went through this very depressive episode of like this isn't going to work out. Um, and I'm I'm not saying that's unique. That's that's any entertainment business or whatever, but. At the same time, I stuck with it and stuck through that period of time. I started playing with a lot of different people. Um, and I watched a lot of other people fall off and other really good musicians I grew up with that got to a point in their life where there's like, I, and they, I remember that it's like, they would like post something on either Facebook or whatever it be like, I'm actually quitting now and I'm moving on. And it was just always weird to me to make a real statement like that in life, like a public yeah. statement of like, I'm done. Cause even when our band quote ended, you know, we never said anything about it. I was like, I just don't want to make this announcement. You know, it's like we could get back together in a year from now and do more records. I don't want to be that band. And it would have just closed the casket on something that I didn't want to admit didn't work out after mm-hmm. years. Um, and so I guess my point is, is getting finally meeting the right people and, you know, slow, slow process of meeting Manchester, writing with them. Um, we did the Cope record together first and I really got a, along with them. But of course, it still wasn't like, you know, like everyone had it cocked up to be as far as like you're now you've made it. So you're good and you're set for life. It was like, no, it was like still struggling big time for years. Um it was an interesting time in the band's life. They're off of a label, did it independently. You know, I was like barely making enough for through touring to get by and was putting money on credit cards. And like, it's just funny, the perspective, because everyone else is yeah. like, dude, you're a rock star now, all this bullshit. And I'm like, I'm grateful. I'm doing exactly what I want to do, but there's still a really long ways to go. So, um, it's taken a long time of working really hard with those guys and and now like we're doing well we're very busy and i i just i can't i know that i i can't listen to any like haters try to diminish what i've done or who or what my journey is and i don't try to ever brag about it or say anything that would come off that way i'm just super grateful because that i you know i have a dream that is realized and not a lot of people get to do that. And, you know, even the people that are doing that, a lot of, they just party their ass off sometimes and don't really appreciate it. I don't think, you know, a lot of the musicians I meet, they're kind of, kind of burned out. And, and I, I try to do everything I can not, not to be that person because I realize it could be gone tomorrow. I'm just going to try to make as, as, as good of music as I possibly can with these guys for as long as I can. And that's the goal. So that's what we're doing. I love that, man. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes up like just following you on Instagram. It's only so much, but like a lot of that's most people's perception of anything. You follow the bands you like, you follow the people you like, uh, and then you see what they post. And I I think that's something that comes across is that you have, there's definitely uh, an air of gratitude and thankfulness for where you're at, that you truly seem to love it and enjoy it. It's not just like, a job that you phone in because you made it. It's like something you work hard at and really love. And I think that's super obvious. Um, and then dude, it must be sick to play like 
just some of these festivals. Like I feel like festivals are really fucking coming back in a way that it's meaningful. Like between like the when we were young or Furnace Fest <laughs> or whatever. Totally, those are super uh, fun and unique, yeah. and different, and people still love it, man. It's amazing, especially after the pandemic and, and everything that that changed everything for a while, and um, and it came back really strong. And it's just a, it's just incredible to me, you know, the the way that it, it doesn't. None of it seems real when it's happening. You know, the fact that these people want to keep buying tickets to come see us play a time and over and over again and that they want to stick around for years. And it's it hasn't been like we wrote this big pop song and got huge all of a sudden. It's just been this really slow uphill growth. And hopefully those people stick around and that, that we seem to have just like this eclectic fan base of every, you know, age and yeah, definitely. people are bringing their kids to the shows, which is the coolest thing. Get really stoked about that. Um, we're just trying to maintain and, and maintain the happiness within our band. You know, that's a hard thing to do, but everyone puts in the effort to do that. Uh, I think at least at this point, we all talk about this stuff all the time. Um, if there's an issue, we go to right, right to each other and, you know, we're brothers at this point. And it, I'm super grateful for that experience too. Cause not, you know, it's, it's not playing on a sports team, but it's still a, a, a team thing that you have this like really close camaraderie with other people in a unique way. And especially when you're stuck on the road together and a, a lot of people don't get that experience. They have close friends and they hang out a lot, but when you're really stuck together and like a, your career is, is, you know, leaning on the fact that you guys, <laughs> you know, aren't going to one, if one person's a bad egg or, or is being an asshole, like you can really ruin <laughs> the whole vibe of the camp. So you don't want to be that guy. And I learn a lot from being around those guys. They've taught me a lot, been very gracious. I kind of came in and a little hot, and thinking I was <laughs> tough shit and I knew a lot and, uh, and it's, I'm, I've just, I'm a totally different person than I was when I started and I'm grateful for that. That's awesome, man. It seems like in order to keep that, that, uh, good chemistry with a bunch of other adults that you're around that much, like it's gotta be like an active effort to do that. Is there like, Okay, like like so let's say you're on tour. Is there like rules that kind of govern some of the interactions that you guys have with each other? Like you mentioned, if there's a problem, you go straight to the person and talk it out and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, is there other things like that that keep that keep the tensions low and the fun high? Definitely. I there's not really a set list of rules. It's just if you're around us enough, you kind of understand the vibe. Because um, we love to we just love to laugh our asses off as much as the day as we can. And then when it comes to playing, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go out there and play the best show we can. But the thing is, it's funny is we get along really well as a band, but you also have to maintain, we have crew with us and there's usually, and there's five people that are on tour in the band. There's five crew members and it's really hard to keep the same people, especially touring these days. It's like impossible to find a bus, impossible to find a bus driver possible to find a tour manager a merch guy oh man a stage manager blah 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 but once you find those good people you kind of learn how to keep them around and develop relationships with them and if one of those people have a problem then it has to be addressed as well and we've had <laughs> we have less issues between the band members than we do with other people so it, it kind of reaffirms the fact that like we're good 
you know there'll be some other <laughs> yeah, drama right. going on we're like we're we're happy so as long as we can put the show on and and give people that paid a lot of money to be here a, a you know a good experience then then we're we're good that's the whole point it's actually pretty simple so if someone's being what we call what we call a special boy uh <laughs> which is anyone on tour that you know is entitled and needs something special other that other people don't get um that term helps a lot i think there's a lot of terms that you know just like punisher that's a great term don't be a punisher don't get in someone's space and like you know when they just read the room and and try to figure out <laughs> how not to kill the vibe you know that's called a vibe assassin <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, man, that's the, all this stuff is comes from touring and and being around people constantly after after tours. You've been around it, so many people as far as, you know, people at the shows, but you've also been in a cramped space with nine other 10 other people, whatever it is, constantly every day. And if you're introverted, uh, it sucks all the energy out of you and it's fun and it's worth it. But when then when you get home, you just realize like, oh, my God, like. I don't want to see anyone forever. <laughs> like being back, it's like being back in the Christian camp days. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel bad for my wife because I'm like, I want to hang out with her and see her, but I'm also like, I need space for a minute. Just, you know, as far as anyone, because people take energy from you and you, you want to show up and, and not be a grumpy, like asshole to people. That's what happens when they meet their, when people meet the heroes or, or their, you know, band they like mm-hmm. and the guys just, yeah. <laughs> It's because he's probably really worn out of seeing people and, you know, or he just is a dick. I'm not excusing everybody, but give him some grace. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Softball question before we get out of here. Um, What's one of the, like, doesn't have to be the favorite, but like one of your favorite bands you've toured with. There's just two is fucking awesome as a whole. Um, Let's see. The last tour we just had, man, we've had some good ones. Like we mm-hmm. have been blessed with, because that's another thing is if the other band on tour is a, if there's one bad apple and one bad vibe. So let's do that. Let's say who is the worst band you've ever toured yeah. with? Like, <laughs> who specifically in the band did you fucking hate? Oh man, <laughs> just kidding. No. Oh, yeah, Any tours with the mirror? Drop drop names <laughs> on this. Um, we recently just did a tour with a guy named Petey and his band. He's actually like a he's all over Instagram. He does all these funny videos online, and I think he got really big like on Petey. TikTok. Yeah, you know, what I'm tall, talking about? skinny guy with yep, long with hair, beard. looks like Jesus yes. kind of. <laughs> I love that dude. <laughs> he is the best man, and his band is so sweet. Um, they have a, you know, he does all the online stuff, but he doesn't ever talks about it. He never acts like an online superstar. He's just this really chill dude that loves playing music. And we watch their band get better while they're on tour with us. Like every show we'd, we'd watch. That's awesome. The next level. It was really cool. Um, Lunar Vacation was another band that toured with us, which were Atlanta based band. That was just the sweetest people. They're so good. Our band got obsessed with them. Um, done a lot of touring with there's a band called Foxing we really love. Yes, dude, I fucking love Foxing. They I saw them. The coolest. Did you know uh, the band The Hotelier? I know of them, but I don't know them. So I, one, a buddy that I had in high school was in that band, and okay. I would see that. I they were they did a tour with Foxing years ago, and I saw them in Boston, and I was like, that was my first time seeing Foxing, and I was like, holy fucking shit, this band is amazing. They're so and that cool. was that had to have been like seven 
six or seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and they're, uh, is it something, the moon? What's the, I forget what their newest album is, but it's amazing. Like they're, yeah. they draw seem down like the really moon. Cool mm-hmm. Yeah. Draw down the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I didn't get to when I was, the night I was with them, they mostly played Magic the Gathering in the back of their van. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't, I don't know them at all. Um, but but they seem like cool dudes. They seem like cool they, guys. They definitely <laughs> are. Um, yeah, I could kind of go on and on, but we've been blessed with, you know, we kind of when it comes down to it, we, it's our decision who's who's going on tour. Um, Which is cool. We do get offers though that sometimes you know make sense in certain markets, and but we still have to check out who it is, and hopefully we get along. Um, but yeah, there's a band called Tiger's Jaw we adore as well. It's like yeah, we did a tour with them and Foxing. It was like a party every night. It was just so good. And then they, you know, they're just consistently good every night too. So we like watching them, getting inspired, and um, yeah. Anyways. Those are some good you ever ones. toured with POD? <laughs> Dude, I was really into POD and I, I forgot. Remember the youth pastor I said that had the Prowler, the vape car? Oh, he ripped POD from the Prowler, didn't he? One, one of the things that was like a, a prize, you know, you can win for bringing friends or whatever. <laughs> the riding his Prowler. The riding his Prowler. No, fuck. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> And you can only guess which band he played as soon as I got in the car. Uh, you were you were pounding Youth of the Nation in there for sure, dude. He was so stoked too. He just like clicked it on and started turning it up. It was like looking over at me. I'm like, all right, this is gonna be super weird. <laughs> when I was I, mean, I think younger, I was in the POD though. I, I know almost every lyric to the Southtown record. I could probably still yeah. still still sing it. So. Well, they are the greatest band alive or dead. <laughs> so, I got big respect oh, yeah. for POD. You know, what's uh, anything new coming out from, or what? What are you guys up to in Manchester? You got anything on the horizon? Yeah, um, we're always working on something. Uh, monthly, we're always busy. We have a podcast as well. Just the band members. You're not going to learn anything from it, as far as well. That's not true. You'll learn. You'll learn a lot of things that are happening within the band. Um, and that has like helped us survive. Like we started it before, right when the pandemic happened and it gave us to re- a reason to do something every month. We have, we do a studio performance, you know, and it kept us playing. Cause otherwise I think we would have just like chilled a, hard and not done yeah, nothing. Such a good idea. Um, that saved us and we're still doing it though. People still want to pay, which is really a, a huge blessing. And we try to make it worth their time. So there's that, but we're going into writing at the beginning of this year. We're not touring for a while. I don't think until next summer, early next summer mm-hmm. is what we're talking about right now. And it's the biggest break we've had for a long time, which we've is needed. This year was crazy, but we're going to use that time to write. We're just always writing and looking for the next project. And we're, we're, uh, we're kind of functioning on all cylinders at this point. We're really happy with each other. So I'm excited to see what happens at the beginning of this year. It's like, I, I can't wait to see what, you know, we're able to come up with next and making a record can be stressful and terrible sometimes, but I think we can actually really enjoy yeah. this process. So we're going to try to, <laughs> well, I can't wait to catch you guys next time you run through the Massachusetts area. Yeah. 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 Hit me up, please. If you guys want to ever, yeah. ever come to a show or in Wichita, I would love to come out there again. I don't know how close we'll get to that, but you know, next year we'll just 
message me or whatever and uh we'll get you find guys you a place with indoor plumbing around here <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> a real green room <laughs> cool dude well, it's been great to meet you man yeah. thanks for uh thanks for doing this and spending some time with us yeah thank you guys for doing this you know it's important you're taking out of your your precious time i know you have busy lives but um I think it needs to be talked about. I was nervous when I was, you know, going to talk about this because I I haven't in a long time, other than maybe like getting drunk with a friend that used to go to church, and you know, you start having, <laughs> yeah. talking about some heavy stuff sometimes. And, um, anyways, I just appreciate it. So, yeah, man, this is awesome. It was really cool getting to meet you. Yeah, man. Likewise, I'll be in touch. All right, everybody. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.